and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Boon, this like a podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian in KC. You can follow me on Twitter, that is at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter, that is at HEF Pond. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt on the gram. Get in contact with us via email, whatever you like. That is hey, Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com. Of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HEF Pod. All the latest news and information covering Eintracht and the English language can be found there, hefpod.com, where all Eintracht fans can find meetup locations all around the globe specifically the United States and Canada, uh, to be able to watch the matches together because Eintracht is best shared amongst friends. And we have a friend to join us today. His name is Jake, but he is better known by his tag 50 plus donor, where he runs a Twitch channel devoted to the German foosball landscape, not just the Bundesliga. Jake, how is the Windy City where you live, and uh, how are things this summer for you? They're hot. I think everywhere they're hot, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the weather's hot, and, I mean, the transfer the transfer summer has been really hot. I feel like there's been a lot of movement, a lot of rumors. Um, not in a whole lot of drama because Bayern's kind of struggling, but <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a fun summer so far. I love it when Byron struggles because then it's just so much more juicy, the conversation. I do realize that they are the reigning champs, but let's put that, let's keep that genie in the bottle a little bit as you do. <laughs> so, what brought you to give us a little profile on yourself in terms of what brought you to create the channel 50 plus donor? Yeah, so it was just after, well, I mean, technically still going on, but like, uh, it's just like around the pandemic, you know, I feel like everybody was kind of talking to themselves in some kind of way. And I feel like I've always kind of, I feel like maybe most Bundesliga fans in the U.S. feel this way, but you kind of like end up talking to yourself a little bit um, about the league because it's not as big in the U.S., obviously. But uh, I kind of got tired of that and I just wanted to make a show where I can talk to people and people can learn about the league because... I think one of the things that really opened my eyes was when that short period when like the Bundesliga was the only league on, uh, if you remember that. <laughs> like, yes, I do. The league kind of dropped the ball on that and like it didn't push the profile of the league at all, really. And I got really sad about that. Um, and I think like part of the thank responsibility. You, huh? Thank you, Fox. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Fox. Uh, but I think part of the responsibility that is unfair to put on us, but it is just on us is uh, we kind of have to be the PR for the league a lot of the time. Uh, and I just wanted to like kind of contribute to that with my own thing. And I kind of think the league's a little stuffy. So I try to make things a little bit more fun. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just kind of fun to do. It's like a little fun hobby. Oh yeah. And it's turned into something that it's fun to interact you with you. And sometimes it is really fun to get your goat but I'm. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know uh, what you mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm unbiased. I have no favorite. 
anyone who reads between the lines there, uh, I kind of outed him just a tiny bit there, which, uh, yeah, match day three. Can't wait for that. Uh, gonna have some good starting matches for the Bundesliga when it does kick off. But let's look back a little bit to 22-23, a German Bundesliga season that sadly ended with the same old, same old crap team from Munich uh, lifting the Meisterschale, both genders, if we're actually being specific. Well, yeah, really. Uh, but the, yeah, no kidding. Uh, but not all titles were won by Bayern when it comes to men and women, as Eintracht Frankfurt was in the Debe Pokal final against the holders of the Pokal, uh, Leipzig. And uh, you know what? Eintracht had a team that uh, finished in seventh, so we're going to be in the playoff round of the Europa Conference League, which uh, you know a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, making the cup final, making the round of 16 for the Champions League was, as an outsider, was Eintracht's 22-23 season a success? Oh, so rough, you know, because I think if you would ask me, if you, like, look at the first half of the season, right? Absolutely. But then there was that stretch of, like, when the first Champions League game against Napoli to, like, I don't know, like even the, the second-to-last game of the season, it was just downhill. I have no idea what happened, and like maybe you'll have more insight, but that was such a weird stretch for them, and it really made what would have been a very, very ultra-successful season to not really. And I think like the Pokal uh, is, is a great like kind of badge on the season, and sneaking into a European Conference League spot is... is Still something, you know what I mean? Uh, but I think, like, I had much higher hopes for how the season would continue for Frankfurt. And, like, I mean, that stretch of just bad games. Like, how long was it without a win? It was, like, it had to have it was been. Brutal. It was a long, it was long, brutal. awful stretch. Until, like, May 13th. Like, it was, like, from February 21st to May 13th. There's just no wins uh, in Champions League or the league. It just kind of dropped it, and I think Frankfurt understands that, which I think is why they're going so bananas in the summer so far. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I think, like, what for what could have been, yeah, I would say it's a failure, but um, I think the pieces are there to make it a success for, for this upcoming season. Yeah, match day 21, Eintracht 2, Bremen 0, and then within the Bundesliga, no wins until May. Versus Mainz Oof. on match day 32. 12 Bundesliga matches without a win. But hey, in the meantime, uh, we had a Hessian Derby versus... Dar- uh, well, technically that came uh, before the Bremen game, but I'll count the Darmstadt win as one. Beating Union 2-0, very, very good of us. And then having, well, I mean, we gave up a stupid late, late, late goal to Stuttgart to make it a 3-2 victory. But we had a couple, there was at least some extra positivity going in there. But it does make one wonder, what if Marseille had won? So giving them nine points, giving Tottenham, uh, what was it, uh, eight points, Eintracht and Marseille going through. 
in the Champions League? And what if Eintracht had only had a draw? Eintracht and, and the Euro dropping down to the Europa League, who would have known what kind of season we would have had? Perhaps we wouldn't have had one where, you know, like you mentioned, Napoli basically ripped us open, like just kind of like a uh, to use the Hobbit movie uh, <laughs> <like> reference. <laughs> wait, what the when the bird grabs the snail, cracks open, cracks open its shell to eat what's inside. That was what Napoli did. They cracked us open like an egg and consumed the in, the the insides as they won five nil over two legs, a team that ended. Their over thirty year domestic league yeah, that was, drought. That's a rough and draw we're, for anybody. Yeah, uh, admittedly, we would have gotten anyone would have gotten trucked, in my opinion. And they kind of petered out against a team in uh, Inter Milan uh, that ended up making the Champions League final. So I mean, it kind of screens a lot of things right there. But Napoli would have run over basically anyone minus Manchester City. Within Europe, so I take I take a little bit of solace from the yeah. fact that the Eintracht did what they did. But hey, we're looking at twenty three, twenty four. You gotta hope that that Dortmund or someone else is gonna challenge, right? Because what Leipzig, they uh, they're getting pulverized right now. They're getting their innards just ripped open, uh, just completely ripped out of them. Uh, in the fact that they've had, they have so much money from just making transfers. But the thing is, like, what are you going to buy? Who's going to allow you to continue to be top four? That's a team that usually is seen as someone who's going to compete match in, match out with the teams at the top end. I look at them as a team who's going to fall by the wayside. So what? That leaves Dortmund again by themselves, unless an Union does what Union did last season. Look at 23-24, and whilst Bayern is there for the taking, I don't know if Dortmund's ready to take them on because they they dropped the ball and did worse things to themselves and losing the title on a goal difference. Yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, like kind of going back to it sequentially, like I looked it up. So Leipzig were made off of Saplasai, uh, and Cuckoo and, you know, looking for Gavardiol, they would have made 26 or 266 million just on those three transfers. And summer's running out. The players are kind of, you know, who you all want are kind of signing who they're going to sign with right now. I don't know what their plan is. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure how they're going to do this upcoming season. Maybe they'll fill the gaps like in the last few weeks here but i mean they got to get on that really quickly uh in terms of dortmund i think they kind of went back a little bit as well so like getting felix mecha for multiple reasons but mainly paying 40 million for him or whatever it was and he didn't really produce all that much of wolfsburg last year so i'm not really sure what their plan is there they missed out on Sekiri, which I thought he would have went there and i thought they would have been going mm-hmm. bananas to try to get him especially because he was free on a free transfer, and they just kind of fell apart there. Like, they tried for Bikini, and they fell apart there. I'm just not really sure. Oh, yeah, and they lost uh, Guerrero, too. They lost Guerrero, too. It's like, this is not the effort I would have thought Dortmund would be putting in this summer. 
considering how close they were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I look at Dortmund and say to myself, especially when you have Marco Royce conceding the armband, you gotta just wonder what exactly to expect because Bellingham is not a player that you just replace. That is right. not someone that you just, you know, bring in any old slub. Like Benson Baini, you know, decent player from Gladbach. Like, oh God. Like I mean, how many decent players from Gladbach have left? I mean, I I I'd like to think that when it comes down to the entirety of the season that I think this is the opportunity as an American, selfishly, that if Giovanni Arena is ever to step up and be put on his big boy pants and be what he has not seen within U.S. national team circles, mostly down to his parents not knowing when to SDFU. Um, I, I'm like you. I look at Dorman. You don't scare me. Good Lord, at this point, I think uh, uh, a Leverkusen. With the moves yes. that Leverkusen has been making – I almost look at that and say to myself, you know what? Granite Jacka, like, is a huge get, a lot of experience, knows the league. You're not really cutting anyone out that you don't need. Uh, yeah. Oh, Robbie is not really a loss at all. I do think the Paulinho flop is kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, a kick in the down blows. But, <laughs> I mean, Hoffman. Is another That's good absolute pickup. robbery. <laughs> and uh, and a free transfer for uh, Grimaldo from mm-hmm. Benfica, who he comes with so much like European experience uh, from playing with Benfica. Exactly 66 matches in the Europa League and Champions League, specifically. Like, the, you get a guy. Uh, on a freebie like that, I'm looking at Leverkusen and saying to myself, uh, they're the biggest challenger for the season. And they got season. Robin Koch on, uh, on uh, oh wait, no, that was you guys. Who They got someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Oh, I'm trying to think <laughs> that of who was, else they got. That was the one thing that they are missing, I think, honestly. Yeah. I, look at Jonathan, I mean, because they the need other... someone to replace Jonathan Todd, because Jonathan Todd ain't doing it. The other thing that I think I, I'm I I can see right now, like if they keep the team they have exactly right now, yes. But like Frimpong is supposedly supposed to leave, Diaby's supposedly supposed to leave. If they can like keep she- this team that is currently on paper right now, absolutely. Like they're gonna they're gonna make a they're gonna run through uh Europa League. Um if they can keep what they have now, yes. But if they if they lose Frimpong and they lose Diaby, I I don't. It's not going to like destroy them. I would say like I I think they're still going to be like top four, or top six. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about challenging for the league, I think they need to keep those two. Um, maybe they do stay. Like I, maybe the new signing kind of like make them think like start thinking bigger a little bit, but. Um, you know, we'll we'll see, but I do think they have to keep those two if they if they possibly can. A European challengers, I am looking forward to. Really, they're not challenger. They finished in seventh, and then they finished in what fifth, and then they finished in fourth. Union Berlin. I look at them and thinking they may take a step back, but I think that they're only going to step back to max sixth place. 
because uh, Mikhail Kaufman is a is a good smart git. You got uh, uh, Diego Lete from Porto. Another more depth uh, where you really need it. A guy who's been up and down uh, the Portuguese league. You know, making his loan move permanent was what they really needed, and you know, just kind of sealing up uh, the continuity there. And of course, you know, uh, Aronson. Uh, what now? I mean, it's not a hundred percent done, done, but Aronson from Leeds to Union, you gotta think that Union Berlin. Whilst you don't know what you'll get from them in Europe, because you know they only in their two European competitions they had one flop and one decent run of the Europa League. One can only imagine what they might be able to do in the Champions League especially when they're able to take the entire stadium and fill up the Olympia Stadium or the Champions League matches for the UEFA Champions League because, you know, uh, UEFA and their stupid rules. But I'm kind of curious about Union and what they do next because, I mean, I, will the Champions League be overwhelming like it was for Eintracht? We'll I think see. so. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, they're getting a lot of people on loan. Like, if you look at their transfers, a lot of people coming back on loan and – I mean, the other thing which kind of like makes it a little wild that they're even in this situation is just this is their first stretch in the first league. So they don't have like the same kind of money that like, you know, like you guys and uh, Leverkusen and, you know, even like Wolfsburg and places like that have. But I do think this is now kind of putting them in that echelon of like, okay, you do. I mean, it's going to. Freak a lot of Bundesliga fans out, but you do kind of have to spend to be in these competitions. Um, I think they do have to. I think they're supposed to get Hollerbach from uh, from Wiesbaden, possibly, which I think that's going to help a lot. Uh, and they're rumored with someone else, too. But I think they got to start striking gold on that, like, you know, sooner rather than later. But I think either way, like, even if they don't do well in Champions League and even if they don't finish top six, I think, like, the stretch they had from being in the league for the first time ever to like not finishing lower than mid table, really not finishing lower than six after their first season is just unreal that they did that. Their trajectory has been impressive and yeah, yeah gotta wait and see on that building box. I can guess talk about Freiburg. I have so many question marks about them, but then again, it's typical Christian strikes. Like, it's all, it's, you know it's all coming it, from their jerseys. <laughs> Those new jerseys are awful. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, if ever you want to say define a jersey as basically like puke on your shirt, that's what they got. It's kind of like some of those silly MLS jerseys that had all the Captain America shields on them. Yes, I'm talking oh, about wow. you, my own sporting Kansas City. Nothing I haven't could be wanted, than I that. haven't want to barf more than doing that <laughs> and i have been and i have been drunk more times than i care to count and i still think that that shirt made me want to puke more <laughs> yeah it's nasty nasty work. if i can ask you you're now there are teams Wolfsburg, Mainz, Gladbach, Köln, Hoffenheim, Bremen, Bochum, Augsburg, Stuttgart who stayed up in the Bundesliga now, mm. I look at Wolfsburg, they are obviously, financially speaking, the most uh, able to c- build a squad to be a competitive squad. I mean, 
good grief. The last team to not beat Dortmund or Bayern to win the title Wolves Wolfsburg in 08-09. Makoto Hasebe, Eintracht Frankfurt vice captain, was a part of that team. God, that was forever ago now. Um, but I am looking at everyone else and kind of scratching my head and wondering who's cracking into uh, – because we basically have talked about every team that's within the top seven, just leaving Bayern kind of to their own devices because that, that just gets boring after a while. But I'm looking at everyone who finished eighth and below and kind of wondering, it's like, who's going to be trying to crash this party that's been kind of solidified in the top uh, portion of the Bundesliga? Because if Outside of Cone, who didn't finish in the European places this year, you have basically a complete, full, complete repeat of the previous season of European qualifiers because Eintracht qualified via Europa League win. Are we seen? Uh, are we seeing what we saw in the Frauenbundesliga, where we may have teams kind of distance themselves from other teams? Sort of like what we're seeing uh, the distance between, you know, a newly promoted side from a traditional relegation uh, survivalist like Augsburg and Darmstadt, who has been pulverized by Augsburg, uh, (laughs) showing the sheer Mm -hmm. differences between the two leagues. I don't think it's a drop off like in Frauen Bundesliga, because that's kind of an extreme drop off. Like, I mean, even looking from 10th place with Gladbach or even 11th place, like, the gap between 7th and 11th was 8 points. Like, that's not a far, you know, far-fetched thing. But what I will say is, uh, if we are predicting if there's a team that's going to be higher, like, let's just even say higher than they were last year, and I think it's honestly going to be Mainz, just mm. because I think well, if you look at the teams around them, like Wolfsburg, if you look at Hoffenheim, if you look at, I mean, if you want to include Bremen in there, I think they're the team that changed the least so far in the summer, and they didn't have such a bad year last year, right? So right. I do think they could probably make some challenges for like 7th or 6th, just because I think they ended the year pretty well, and like I don't think they really had a bad team last year at all. I think, you know, they're just... I think they're just kind of, I mean, they were challenging a little bit for a top, for like a European spot and they just sputtered out. But I think it's kind of like addition by not doing anything. Um, They have Mm -hmm. like, they know what kind of squad they're going to go into the season with. Uh, They're getting, uh, what's his name? Low, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know how to say this. Lokui, I think. Um, They're getting him back and they're just kind of like, they didn't lose anybody. So I do think, that they had, they know what they can do to get to be better this year, and I do think that's going to take them far. Because I mean, the rest of the teams, like I was going to say Hoffenheim, but I mean, losing Baumgartner, I think is going is is and uh, Angelino as well. I think is not. Oh no, Angelino, yeah, Angelino is gone. But I think that's not fantastic for them. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's. First over to my favorite topic, that is uh, the promotion uh, from Bundesliga, Zweite uh, Liga. You got the relegation playoff. So ever since it was brought back, 08, 09, 
honestly, there's only been uh, three instances of the uh, the Bundesliga team falling down. So we can, had can you name it, all three without yeah, looking. I have it uh, without looking. Oh, the I had to look because I could only come up with two, and then when I saw what the third one, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. So you have Nuremberg, Dusseldorf, and then from uh, the 11 12 season, you didn't have anybody until 18 19 with Union Berlin. And Union mm-hmm. Berlin only won on away goals because they had a 2 2 draw at Stuttgart, then held them to a nil nil match to go through on away goals. But other than that, it's hard watching the Bundesliga playoff. This past season, yeah. it was Stuttgart, Hamburg. The fans were going nuts at Hamburg, but oof, that was a rough one. Um, they were, it was never even at the races. Uh, Cohn looked like on the ropes in 2020-21, and then they just crushed Kiel when they went north. Oh, yeah. Bremen versus Heidenheim was about as ugly as you could ask for, and once it went to the second leg in the Geisterspiele, uh, Bremen was able to come through with that. And then you had Wolfsburg with their double survival versus Braunschweig. Kiel, that was the Eintracht. ugliest series. Oh, I remember that being disgusting. It was absolutely gross. And you felt I felt for Braunschweig because local rivalry and all. You had Eintracht over Nuremberg. Late goal in that one for the Eintracht. Hamburg's consistent survival, that late free kick versus Karlsruhe. Uh, the away goals rule for Greuther Firth. I'm going through all of these, and you're noticing uh, it's either, you know, they just scrape by or they, or they kick down the door. Right. There's no – there's very little in between. The only time that it was ever – does Vitaliga team literally kicking ass and taking names was the very first timeout when Nuremberg, over two legs, defeated Energy Cottbus. Yeah, uh, Cottbus of uh, regional Liga fame right now. Yeah. Uh, they defeated them 5 0. And the other time uh, was Dusseldorf over Hertha, and Dusseldorf won by one goal. I'm looking at this, and the track record is very poor. Are we at the point where we need to change this promotion strategy, or do we just make it three up, three down? I, I there's a case, or for even both. just two up, two down. I'll, 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 I will welcome any options. I don't think two up, two down is the way to go. I do think if you, you know, the the league's probably gonna fight for a playoff in some sort of way. Uh, I think that's the one thing England actually does well is kind of like their. Uh, whatever it is, like mini tournament they do. Um, I do think at the end of the day, I would prefer three down just because, I mean, when you look at the relegation playoff teams that like from the first league that are in there, they kind of gave up on the season. They're never really like good. And then they get into these games with like the third highest team in the second league. And, you know, they have way more money. They have way more experience. And it's just gross to watch, like you're saying. Um, I think either like a mini playoff like that or just straight up three up, three down um, is the way to go. And I another thing that I'm going to point out is the 
days that these games are are awful. Like this year, mm-hmm. it was on what like Traveling Thursday? Formal. Oh yeah, like Thursday. Monday. Looking at Hamburg, looking at Hamburg and Stuttgart, they're like six hours apart by train, and the games at six p.m. on a Thursday. Like, what are you? What are you doing? And I guess around, around Champions League and things like that. But then just like you know, I mean, figure something else out other than having these awful days. Like they have to find, they have to know to do something around that, right? Like they can't just have a, a a final leg game be on a Monday and have people go across the country to try to watch it. Like, it's just, people will do it, but it's just not, you know, it's just not fair, you know? My my personal favorite, and yes, the English system, in case anyone was wondering now, the English second division has got 24 teams. That's a lot of teams. That's yeah. a lot of matches during the entire season. And then they have three V6 and four V5 home and away series, best of two matches, best goal, tally, wins for an all-encompassing playoff final at the National Stadium in London. Now, I'm, I will admit that if you took the Zweite Liga from last season – Ain't gonna be pretty watching if you have, for example, I mean, I mean, maybe it could be like if you had, you know, um, the three v six, four v five, it could be interesting. Hamburg versus Paderborn, Dusseldorf in St. Pauli, maybe we get a uh, Hamburg derby at the center of it all. Yeah, I but think like like you're saying, not, like not every, but I will say this much: like Hamburg's. Uh, points tally at 66 points this year all like nine seasons out of 10 that gets you promoted like they just continuously shoot themselves in the foot but normally a 3v6 like there was a gr- there was 11 points difference between the two of them and sometimes it's like way more so I don't know if that would really be the kind of viewing spectacle you want yeah, but, like, you know, I think if you also look at the second league table, um, if you look at, like, St. Pauli, St. Pauli, like, basically didn't lose for three months. Um, and just, like... Yeah, they went on a tear. Yeah, they didn't have enough to... And, like, I don't think Paderborn played bad all season. I'm like, yeah, you'll have, like, you know, sixth place is going to have, like, a Nuremberg that, you know, is, you know, is like, safe, safely mid-table, right? But I think usually when you look at these teams that are not first or second in the second league is so competitive that I think that kind of plays into why it would be fun to watch. You know what I mean? Like, um, you just never know with this, with this league and you have a team that's on a tear in the second half of the season and they're able to like kind of sneak in, like that'd be fun to watch. But I think like, Oh no, I think what everyone can agree is like the current system is just not it. It needs to change. Exactly, and I should have mentioned the difference between 6th and 7th was a whopping 9 points, so uh, that precipitous edge of teams <laughs> who are chasing that, uh, you know, maybe a promotion via playoff, that I think it would have to be in, uh, I think it would have to be in Berlin from the historical standpoint, or I guess you maybe convince Dortmund, Köln, Dusseldorf, Frankfurt even to host it because I mean I guess because God if they tried I mean a ima- 
a Hamburg Stadt derby would just fill up the Olympia Stadium, but you know, it's not against Paderborn, but say if it was Paderborn versus who, who else has got a small? Uh, Greuther Firth. What is a final in Berlin of those two, two, two teams? I mean, I don't know if the uh, Olympia Stadium gets filled, but at least with Kuhn, where they had the Frauen Pokal final every season, or mm. Frankfurt, one of the cities that used to host uh, the Pokal final on a rotation basis before they made it in Berlin permanently. I mean, that might be a little bit more work well for it, but then, okay, so if we did make this change, would you have to then change it for the second division, third division as well? Which you see actually the opposite happen, where the third division mm -hmm. team typically is way better set up to beat the second division team because uh, Bielefeld, who went down this year to uh, Biesbaden, um next to nobody on Bielefeld's team that faced Wiesbaden, and God, that was a travesty match in Wiesbaden, oh, yeah. but next to nobody is going to be on that team for next season. Like, they're everybody's like left whether retirement at a contract like there is just it's a totally different sort of thing but hey maybe maybe they'll do a halfway version of what we're talking about maybe it's um three go down but then you have a, a home and away series between third and fourth uh for you know promotion that would be fun yeah uh, i think version. that yeah, a much more shortened version. That would be more, way more entertaining, way more rewarding to the teams who had a great season. And for anyone who's like, well, it should be a one-off final. Now, for for the loser in this, you kind of want them to get whatever money, as much money as they can. And a whole match will uh, definitely collect more money than, you know, uh, Hamburg versus Dusseldorf final at the Berlin Stadium, uh, at the Berlin Olympia Stadium. But we've gone on along, uh, talked about everything German soccer to this point. It is time for our favorite segment breaker. It's time for hashtag what are we drinking? You, as our guest, Jake, what are you drinking or what have you been drinking uh, that you would like to share? Can't even think about drinking. Uh, we did a Bundesliga beer tasting. What was that? last week Ooh, fun. so my my fridge is full of german beer my my uh producer who is also my wife absolutely hates it um <laughs> so it was like it was the gambit it was like we had kolsch we had uh borsteiner we had augustiner uh erdinger like we had a ton of a ton of beer that we tried and of course we didn't finish it all so my fridge is just packed full of it but um, right now, I'm drinking water. <laughs> there you go. There you After go. Well, that. I always kick back with a good old Coors banquet uh, brought in by Germans who immigrated to the United States. So I have the banquet beer. Ah, great sound that it makes as you open a good cold one. So here's to us. Here's to John Foosball. Prost. Prost. And then. <laughs> Not to butt in, but do you guys in Casey have the uh, hard Arizona iced teas yet? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, I've been I've been told about these that they're absolute magic and and uh, I haven't been able to get it. Uh, 
gosh, I need to get it in with our distributor. Sounds like it's a real good one. Yes. If listener, please, you have to find them. <laughs> I, I <laughs> implore you, you must find these. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll be back with segment two where we get to talk about the Frauenbundes again and the Frauen National Mancha. So stay with. And we're back with sec two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. 50 plus donor is our guest. The champion of the Frauen Bundesliga, uh, which has got a new name. So it's not going to be the Fire Alarm uh, Frauen Bundesliga for 23-24. It's going to be the Google Pixel. So, hey, something a little bit more uh, able to register on our radar. But um, Bayern ended up being champions once again, uh, the Frauen Bundesliga, uh, beating Wolfsburg out by two points. Eintracht was in third place with five points behind the title winners and three points behind and a whopping goal difference behind Wolfsburg. Kind of hinted at it that in the Frauen Bundesliga, there's a great disparity. I'll point it out now as Eintracht was six points above Hoffenheim, who ever since they uh, increased the Champions League and the, the Women's Champions League to three entries, you've had Eintracht finish in fourth, third, and third. You've had Hoffenheim finish in third, fourth, and fourth. Uh, below Hoffenheim, there was Nantrur. The, the league is 20, 12 teams, 22 matches in total, and uh, there was an 18-point gap between fourth and fifth. And like a 28 <laughs> goal differential, too, is 28 goal <laughs> difference between Hoffenheim and Leverkusen. Yeah, and even between Leverkusen and where the rest of the pack was, there's still a six-point gap. And once you get down to the team that's in sixth, they actually, there was a seven-point gap between 11th and sixth. Now, Devon had the table pretty, pretty stacked, but... I'm looking at the top end, and as much as I really don't want to say this is a good thing for the Frauen Bundesliga for the 23-24 season, I do think that Eintracht will be able to at least move on to the qualifying phase, especially since they're going to host it this time around. But Leipzig coming in as champions of the Frauen Zweite Liga, it really gets at me, but is having a possibly having a fifth team really gunning for, you know, those top three places. Is that going to create, in general, just a better competition? Or are we going to see more of the same that we've seen, just uh, a team in Leipzig that pushes everyone else uh, who couldn't finish, who finished in fifth and below? Is that just kind of pushing mud just down the drain? Um. Actually, so what I'm going to share after this, I'll give you this article. There's a fantastic <laughs> article by Helene. I don't actually know her last name, but she writes for uh, 90 Minutes in uh, in, and she's part of the Bundesliga Frauen like Twitter account. If you've seen that, 
Hmm. She put in a great article about how there's like a big money difference between like what we're talking about. Like, I mean, even you can include Leverkusen in here because they had a six point difference between Freiburg and themselves. There's kind of like those corporate teams kind of sitting at the top and then you guys basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Leipzig kind of fits that mold. I mean, I think maybe, uh, maybe they'll be mid-table first, but you know they have the same kind of blueprint that Hoffenheim, Leverkusen, Freiburg, and uh, Wolfsburg would have. I don't think it's a stretch that they would eventually be challenging in a top spot just because they have way more resources than the other teams um, that are below Leverkusen even. So I think like yes, and like I think also the question of like that I think everybody's gonna ask is is it good for the Frauen Bundesliga for them to be good? I don't think more competition in Frauen Bundesliga is necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's the same as the men's league where they kind of jump through a lot of loopholes to be competitive. I think here they just need to spend money and invest in a women's game, which is never awful, you know? So Agreed. Um, I think it's a way different story. Like, I think the men's Leipzig is way worse than the, what the... Um, Frauen Leipzig team is going to be able to do, uh, so it will be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how they do in this first season and um, how it's going to continue from there. But I know they they bowled over everybody in the, the second league, so I'd imagine they're starting off at a, a higher platform than most promoted teams. Exactly, and here's hoping that the Women's World Cup is good for the Frauen Bundesliga players who are going to be playing for the various nations that are out there. Uh, obviously, a lot is concentrated on uh, the German women's national team who have a pretty uh, difficult group, I, it, it has to be said. Um, we're saying we're talking where when the tournament is still a couple of weeks away, uh, that in the first time that's in a 32 team format, but you have Colombia, a role pa- uh, considered one of the powers of South America. You have uh, Morocco, uh, a rising power in Africa, who's getting a lot of investment into their women's side. So good on them. And kind of gives them a real, uh, like, bolt in the uh, the arm, you know, their men's team getting to the semifinals for our African team being the first. And then you have South Korea uh, getting through there. And they – to uh, this phase, um, I'm looking at Germany and thinking they should ha- be tested enough in the group phase to make them tinker around with their roster. But this is a very strong Frauen Bundesliga team, uh, the Frauen Bundesliga laden national team. Uh, you've only got uh, their preliminary, so the preliminary roster that is still out. Uh, it has not been trimmed down, but there are only three non, uh, three players who play outside of the Frauen Bundesliga. Uh, there are members of Eintracht, Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, uh, Duisburg. Well, you got to have a couple of randos in there. <laughs> uh, Hoffenheim <laughs> and Freiburg. It's very dominated by the teams who finished in the top four. That would be expected. Um, I mean, like I said, this is still the preliminary roster and players can be moved on, but 
I'm looking at this Wims team and I'm thinking that so long as Alexandra Pop, bless you, uh, is able to uh, stay healthy, she is that kind of, she is that wrecking ball up top that only the highest end nations have at this Women's World Cup. And yes, uh, I'm talking like uh, Nidema is a game changer. Alexander Pop is a game changer. Alex Morgan still has the game changer in her. Crystal Press is more of a game changer in my opinion, but you know, match fitness and all that jazz. This is a very, very talented team. Uh, what are your thoughts on where they can finish uh, this in this Women's World Cup? Germany? Uh-huh. Um, so I think the worst thing for Germany, actually, I don't think it's the group they're in. I think it's the group they're going to have to play if, mm. if they get out. So they have to play either the winner of Group F or the runner-up if they're first or second. That group is France, Jamaica, Brazil, <laughs> and then whoever wins Group C playoff. But, I mean, if you if your nerves didn't tingle with France and Brazil, I, I don't enjoy the idea of playing uh, either of those teams uh, for the I, first play-in. <laughs> France, France, I can totally agree with, because... Um, they got rid of that uh, miserable old bat that they had as their yeah. uh, national team coach, and then they brought in a absolutely man from the outside, and Eve Renard, who isn't quite – he knows international football. He's coached Zambia, Angola, Ivory Coast, Morocco, Saudi Arabia. This is his first time, yes, with a women's team, but this is a guy who just travels. He knows – what it is like uh, to qualify teams for World Cups, to take teams into World Cups. This is a much more heavy-laden uh, team. I mean, goodness gracious me, the last time that they lost a match was to Sweden and Germany, mm -hmm. and that was in uh, the fall. This is a French team that is lock, stock, and ready. I think their test match versus Australia, who Germany also uh, has to play. Uh, Sam Kerr is amazing, just saying. I'm right. very much looking forward to seeing what kind of magic that girl can do. Because I remember when she was with the Chicago Red Stars, and she was a handful. That that was, one, those were know. fun local games to go to, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a French team that maybe they'll maybe they'll avoid them. That would be nice. But I look at Brazil and I think to myself, well, I mean. Oh, okay, Jamaica and Panama, I'm like, you guys ain't topping Brazil. But Brazil, I look at them, and there's a lot of, there's a fair bit of old legs in there. Now that's wiliness, that is uh, maturity. But when it comes to, you know, the 60th, 70th, 80th minutes, uh, who's going to start having their legs cramp and, Germany with much more of a mid to late 20s kind of uh, firepower in the legs. I mean, Marta, who everyone knows, she's, th uh, she's 37 years old. Like, she in the last World Cup mentioned, uh, 
I need, she basically was calling on her fellow, uh, fellow Brazilian women to be that next generation to take up the standard. Like there's a lot of players on this team who are older than me. Uh, not to try and date myself like too much here, but I mean, you know, my wife wouldn't have married, you know, it's just some old cutter and I'm also not a spring chicken at the same time. <laughs> but this Germany team, they got young legs. I still think facing in Brazil that they're going to, which I really think is the most likely uh, thing to happen for Germany. Because, uh, you know, if I really don't see how that would uh, end up as group runners up. I think that there's just, uh, I think that Morocco, Colombia, and South Korea will all take points off of each other, whilst Germany can basically benefit from the fact that those guys will chip at each other whilst they're able to rise to the top. And you're right. Um, Runner-up of F in Brazil or uh, upset France, I think that's kind of tricky. Then you got the winner, Group D, and the runner-up in B. And in case anyone's curious, that could be uh, England or Denmark. I don't think Haiti or China are really going to be at the at the races in that one. And uh, if you happen to face Group B, that could be the hosts in Australia. Or uh, our, uh, to put us both in the United States, our, our friends in the north who can't seem to find funding in Canada. <laughs> so it, it could be any number of things. It just sucks that the times for the matches are just so blasted early. Anyways, that's our kind of women's segment bit. Uh, so I will say uh, also before you transition, hmm. I don't think Jamaica you can look past either. Like, yeah, they're really? having funding issues. But, I mean, any team with Bunny Shaw is dangerous. So, I I don't, I like, do I think they're going to overtake Brazil? Maybe not. But I don't think they're going to be easy fodder like I think some people are looking at. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Time for Eintracht guys who have joined up for the season and yes you kind of hinted on social media oh this is the only reason why i'm being invited onto the hey i'm <laughs> podcast is because they just picked up one of our players i oh, mean it was on, in the contract i did read the contract it did say that um this was a stipulation we yeah so all right Eintracht has made a couple of big signings. Uh, Robin Koch is going to be joining Eintracht uh, from the English Premier League. Yes, the guy who went from Eintracht to, to Kaiserslautern to Freiburg to Leeds and now is going to the Eintracht. Looking forward to him putting on the eagle crest. But yeah, you kind of hinted that there might be a guy who might want to be talked about, yes, is the Tunisian international Elias uh, Shakiri, if I have his first name correct. Uh, hopefully yeah. I did get that. A defensive midfielder signed for ten, four ten out of ten seasons. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Guy who uh, came out through with uh, Montpellier and then uh, bounced over to you guys. God, was that uh, – did you get him when he, you were in the Zweitliga? If I remember correctly, yeah. Wow. Guy really came up with you guys and also made us look like absolute clowns when we visited you guys at the Rhine Energy Stadion uh, in the spring. 
And uh, so, yeah, we decided that we're going to pick one of your uh, higher-end players. What is Eintracht getting in Elias Shikari? I mean, he is... He's been criminally underrated for a while now, but last season I think was one of his better seasons that he's had for Colm, so I don't know how he flew under so many people's radar. Like, even looking at people talking about this transfer, they're just kind of like, eh. I can promise you, this just, even no matter how you use him, this makes Eintracht 100% better. Like, he can do everything. Um, he can defend. He can push up. He can score if you need him to. Uh, and I think one of my friends, uh, Robert, actually kept uh, tracking, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, of like how many kilometers he runs per game and like mapping it to like how far he can run from Colm to whatever, like with all, all he's run per game. But he, he has incredible stamina. Like he's just constantly, like never gets tired. He's constantly challenging on a ball. He's constantly... Just trying to do something. You know what I mean? He's always just trying to be active on the pitch. And it's like... Like, there's a reason why Colm took the the kind of... You know, everyone kind of laughed at him for him going free when they could have gotten, like, upwards of $20 million for him in the winter. There's a reason why they're like, screw it. Like, we're just going to keep him for the second half of the season and whatever. Because... He brings that much to a team. Like, for Cone, like, I I am so sure if they didn't have him in the second half of the season, they would have been fighting relegation way harder than they were. Um, he's just that kind of player, and it's, like, it's really upsetting to see him go, but, like, Frankfurt is, I mean, I feel like he's going to be a fan favorite. Like, I would be shocked if he's not um, just, like, the one of the top players on the team. Looking forward to adding him to uh, the Eagle Irie. And needless to say, I am looking at this Eintracht team and thinking to myself that, yes, Gibraltar does look like he is on the way out. You got a lot of question marks around uh, Rafael Santos Bore. I think at this point, Ranakota Moani, if he had, was going to leave, he would have left already. That's a good point. Is there a chance that he could leave? He would, Eintracht has basically said, you have to crack the nine-digit figure mark to get him now because sure he had a great first season is that a kind of big risk for us not to cash in now sure but if you take him out of that team we were very mediocre uh, as you mentioned in the spring and his goals kept us up who knows what the heck kind of team we would have been if he was out injured for, say, like the entire spring. It was, it was, it was tricky. I think Lucas Alario still yet to find a place to leave sooner the better, because there have been a couple other add-ons. Uh, Omar Mahmoush, I think, is going to be a good depth add. I hope he doesn't turn into second Lucas Alario, but there's a lot of question marks. Like I said, around Rafael Santos Moray and what is next for him. I think. Uh, from an American standpoint, I can't wait for Pax, uh, Paxton and Aronson to get more on field time. I think that is the real big question that uh, everyone has when it comes to Eintracht from a U.S. national team uh, kind of standpoint. I really am looking forward to the season a whole lot more than most other people. 
I will point out that uh, some people did get in contact with us. So uh, let's go. Bob uh, in Maryland. What are the expectations of Paxton Arison? We know he played some with Glasner, but will a new coach see a path for him or loan him out? I think with Eintracht, now we still need to qualify for the Conference League, uh, but I think that qualification is going to be rather on the easy side. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Um, uh, even though, I hope, like, I hope have, no one quips that. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we did have a tricky qualification for the Europa League, um, but uh, I've... I'm still very optimistic that we're going to get a cupcake and we'll just kind of walk on through it. And I think that you'll see a lot of squad once Eintracht makes the group phase of the European competition. I think Paxton Aronson, if he isn't already cracked in as a starter for the Bundesliga matches, I think you're going to see him really take the lead in the European matches as they really try and do a heavy squad rotation. I think we're going to see a huge focus on uh, your weekend of Bundesliga matches over your Pokal and European matches. Not that the Pokal is something to overlook. I think that with the new coach and Dino Topmula, who some people may remember uh, had a father and then called Klaus Topmüller, who also had a history with Eintracht, being coach of Eintracht in the 90s. Um, uh, God, there, I had an analogy for the guy, but it will come back to me, perhaps once in, <laughs> in the next episode. But uh, Dino, uh, we'll see what he has. I've got no expectations of this coach. I've got no inclination of where Eintracht will go as a club. Uh, he's been an assistant manager uh, for quite a few seasons now, uh, following you, Nagelsmann, to Leipzig, and then Bayern. It's a... Uh, <sighs> what, what are your thoughts? Where do you think the Eintracht's going to be? Where do you think uh, Paxton Aronson's going to be this season? Well, I mean, player? is Lindstrom supposed to leave or is he already left he's not left there's a lot of talk of him leaving for something in the realms of 20 to 30 million i have a lot i have yet to see something that seems concrete okay. but right i think now, like i think if he leaves like obviously that's gonna put him way higher in the oh yeah necessary but you're right i mean even like he's he's freaking 19 like <laughs> i mean like if even like if he gets in those poke call games or like like you're saying like the qualification matches, that's still, you know, like putting him forward and like honestly, you guys didn't really get him for all that much. Um, it's not like what, a finally? it's not like a peppy situation, but um, <laughs> God, <laughs> but that's yeah, the, I I oh, I think like I really trust Frankfurt scouting. Like, for example, like getting Hugo Larson, I think that's kind of speaks to mm-hmm. how Frankfurt kind of deals with getting people. And even just Kolomwani, like getting him on free. I have a lot of faith in Frankfurt's ability to scout and take risks, calculated risks. 
So I, there's a reason why I brought him on, and it, it had nothing to do with him being American. Like, a lot of you can make the case for, like, a Pepe or some other teams getting Americans, but I, I, I would love to see how he does. I think, like, there is a reason why he's on the team, and um, I think the ceiling is very, very high for him, and I think you guys have the opportunity to have someone who's like a, uh, um, oh, what is his name? He's a U.S. Oh, Timothy Chandler. Like, you have, like, that kind of person that you can add to your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, like, um, I don't know if we touched on it, but like like you said earlier, I think if Kolomani was going to leave, he would have left already. And also, you said something about, like, kind of missing out. You did get him for free. So, like, any kind of <laughs> upwards of $50 million, I would say is a huge win. So... Uh, I think the team's in a good spot. I'm like kind of surprised you said that the fans are like not really looking to forward to the season. Like I think you guys have a lot of positives to build on. I think I'm really feeling uh, something close to where we finished uh, last season in seventh. Anywhere between I think sixth to tenth is the kind of range that I think contract was going to fall in. I think it's a lot of gelling with you know a new coach. A fair number of players coming in. Obviously, we're a team that just kind of turns over players, but you know what? We're turning over a new leaf as Eintracht Frankfurt. The season is drawing nigh. We're about a month, like five weeks away from the first round of the Depe Pokal. Uh, gosh, it seems like just the other day that I was getting. My emotions were getting the better of me as Eintracht was ended up getting punched by Leipzig two 0 in that I finale. That, I think that and now was, we got and now we got a Leipzig team in the in the first round of the Pokal again. Oh, look at what a Leipzig Eintracht yeah, just, and their you're fan like destined friendship. to be playing yeah. them. <laughs> it's forever destined it's to be nuts. playing them. Uh, hey, you know what? You're not having a cupcake either with a visit to Osnabrück. Absolutely so, not. Uh, <laughs> if I was a Colm and, fan, I would be very scared, but I am not. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> hey, think of it this way. At least they might have that TV screen. If you saw it on Twitter, I thought it was hilarious. They're putting a new scoreboard up at Osnabrück, and they have yet to remove the support poles, leaving people to think, oh, that's how it's just going to be left, kind of like your old, you know, Ebbets Field or Wrigley Stadium, Wrigley Field in Chicago, where you still have got the support beams for, you know, the stand or XYZ part of the stadium that, it, you know, create obstructed view seats. That'd be hilarious if they get this kind of tickets, though. But not, I mean, so what? It moves the ticket from five years to three? I don't know. Uh, fans will like, can you imagine in the Bundesliga like <laughs> having seats behind poles? Dude, the fans would just <laughs> chop it down overnight. <laughs> There's not a chance exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Jake, we have run out of time. It's been fun chatting about basically everything about the Bundesliga, just German soccer in general, the Depe Pokal final, our own teams, Europe. You know, the Women's World Cup, which we went a little deeper on tonight. I imagine that might go in. But uh, where can people find you and support you in what you do in terms of covering the German football landscape of the world? 
yeah, so you can follow me on Twitch. Uh, we're doing occasional shows right now, but during the season, every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Central, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on the new threads, which everyone's sussing out. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I... Don't know I yeah, I don't know how that's going to go either. Uh, <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the hands of another billionaire, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, there's, there's those places, and... Uh, also Twitter, like I think that's where it all started. So if you want to follow, by all means. If you don't, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter. That is at H E Pod. Hey, I tracked Frankfurt on Instagram. Drop us a like, rating, and review. Remember, if you happen to send us a screenshot of your five-star review, you will get uh, Eintracht coasters and stickers and the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast theme. Wait, I didn't know that. Your way. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do okay, that right so. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember, Jake, remember, your payment for the episode comes when you and me meet up for beers. True. Yes, I do have to go to Kansas City. The, the, the coalition you guys have is, I'm so jealous of. I need to go down there sometime. And then you can organize it in Chicago yourself. Oh, so, you, that oh, might be a little bit be, harder to do considering the harder. kind of... Yeah, but anyways, that's something for another episode. This is going <laughs> to wrap up our episode of Hey, I'm Drake Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Jake for joining us. Uh, you can find him, 50 Plus Donor, wherever you find good social media channels to, that covers the Bundesliga. Until next time, choose. Choose. And they got Robin Koch on, uh, on uh... oh, wait, no, that was you guys. Who? They got someone else. <laughs> Yeah, that's us. Hey,